Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Well, hello, Canada. Today's date is July 13th, 2020, and welcome to an episode of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. So how's the weather out there in the sunny Okanagan? Well, it's sunny. Um, It it hasn't been, and I mean, I talk about this on virtually every podcast where it's... uh, (laughs) The, the weather is the craziest I've ever seen it. Yesterday, rain wasn't even in the forecast. It was calling. It was saying 0% chance, and it rained four times. Um, so, well, uh, who knows? But today was beautiful. So, how about you? Um, cloudy day, but warm and muggy, like it has been for the last few days. But I'm okay with that, because we're in farm country, so we kind of need moisture. And it's been a, yeah. been a good summer that way, so. Good. So, all right. So, on the show today, we're going to talk about, well, guess what? We scandal, yet one more Trudeau scandal. I'm I'm stunned, and I know you are too, Canada. Uh, quick note about the CFL season, uh, the shot about the fiscal snapshot, and who is this new Andrew Shear? All right. Let's get right to it. Um, let's start on what's on everybody's mind right now, and that is yet one more scandal for Justin Trudeau. And it's a, and it's a scandal that, that is entirely of his own doing. Uh, much like SNC-Lavalin and the Aga Khan scandal uh, in his first year. I mean, it's, the, his scandals are always of his own making. And, uh, and, and that's exactly what's happened this time. He... I mean, he lied about being involved in the decision-making process. He lied about, uh, you know, not being the one who called the charity to let them know. I mean, his, his family is a direct recipient of money from this charity for speaking fees. His brother has made $250,000. His mother has made $32,000. His wife was paid to, to speak. His wife hosts a We Charity podcast. And his wife is an official We ambassador. Uh, not only that, but Minister Bill Morneau's daughter works for We. She is an employee of We. He also was involved in the decision-making process on this. And uh, and a number of years ago, uh, Katie Telford, who is the, uh, uh, I think she's a communications director, is that right? Uh, that or she, well, she was a chief of staff at one time. She may have uh, shifted jobs, but. Okay, so Katie Telford, who is one of uh, Justin Trudeau's senior um, in like senior uh, bureaucrats, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. Um, not really a bureaucrat though. She's an employee. A, st- a staffer. Yeah. Uh, a staffer. She's like the the most senior staffer. 
so Katie Telford and uh, none other than Seamus O'Regan co-founded a charity that whose sole purpose was to raise money for we. So <laughs> this is not just Trudeau. This is like at least four members, senior members of the Liberal Party. So as it turns out, and uh, even one more to add to the mix, and that would be Bill Morneau has another daughter who benefited directly from we. And I don't remember if she was just that she got a, a summer sponsorship. I think that's what it was and so for a program she was in. So, I mean, this is just they're knee deep in it. And neither Mr. Trudeau nor Mr. Morneau recused themselves from the cabinet meeting where this decision was made. Well, I should say the air quotes around decision was made to grant this sole source contract to we. So, I mean, yet again, there's sticky fingers and corruption all over this. Yeah. And that and that contract, which was for nine hundred and twelve million dollars, had a guaranteed twenty dollars, twenty million dollar payment to we to administer that fund. So, I mean, like, this isn't small change that we're talking here. This is big money. And this is, this just reeks of ad scam. Boy, that's actually a really, really apt comparison. Um, and then one more thing for, for we, they actually, as part of the contract, we're going to contract themselves for a $32 million chunk of that. So, um, yes, yeah, this right. is totally yeah, they were going to actually subcontract themselves. Like, I, I, don't, exactly, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how you do that legally. I, I don't even understand the logistics of it. But yeah, like they were, they would have ended up with like 51 or $52 million out of this at the end of the day. Yeah. And what uh, thankfully Pierre Polyev brought forward very early on was that the Canada Summer Jobs Program is actually designed to do the exact same thing that Mr. Trudeau claimed only we could take care of. And that's just blatantly false because the summer jobs program, I guess the big difference is the Canada summer jobs program paid students wages, didn't just pay them an honorarium for volunteering. Yeah. And I mean, and to suggest that the federal government uh, bureaucrats couldn't take care of this program is just ridiculous. I mean, well, yeah, especially when Pierre Polyev, when he was in Stephen Harper's cabinet, was a minister in charge of that very program. So he 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 knows what he's talking about when he suggested that. Yeah, this is actually uh, right up the government's alley. Yeah. No, it, this is this is a big. Uh, 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 I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little pessimistic in thinking that this is actually going to hurt Trudeau because I don't I, I don't know that it really will. Um, and this is something we've talked about in past shows where I said, you know, uh, the Canadian public will give a Liberal Prime Minister so much rope eventually hang themselves. 
but they will, but they just keep giving them more and more and more and more rope. Like uh, uh, a conservative prime minister uh, doesn't get as many chances. Like they don't get the, um, the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, benefit of the, 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 the way that the, the, the liberal prime ministers do, they get away with so much more. No, that you're absolutely right. And it's, uh, I've actually kind of given up hope that this will bite Trudeau in the, in the, the rear end as well. Cause we just see it over and over again. And every single scandal, Mr. Trudeau pouts like a child that it didn't go through. And it really shows his contempt for democracy and for the democratic process. I mean, you saw that with the, the spending bill where they tried to ram through dictatorial control. And you saw it with SNC-Lavalin. And you see it every time Bombardier sticks their hands out for our taxpayer dollars. And it's like... Mr. Trudeau wants to be a dictator. He doesn't want to be a prime minister. He, I, as far as I'm concerned, he sees democracy as nothing but an annoyance. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, you, you've even seen it with the gun ban. I mean, since I don't, I, I believe I have mentioned this in in a, in a previous show, but since that gun ban went through, they have added over 800 more guns to it, and. That includes 22 caliber rifles. I mean, yeah, this it's just is, ridiculous. This is, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. And Canadians are just sitting back and letting it happen. Yeah, and that's the worst part is that uh, I wonder if, if, if it is that the average Canadian voter is just conditioned to, you know, get smacked across the head several times by their government like I, I i have no words which is weird for me but yeah i have no words um, i i don't either i mean this is it's just so frustrating to me as as a, a canadian taxpayer and someone who loves their country that other canadians just don't care they just don't care yeah though you're right and uh Actually, we'll take that to segue into yet one more. Uh, I won't call it quite a scandal yet, but I will call it a definite government misappropriation that Canadians should care about because at the current tally is worth $5 billion, and that is infrastructure projects. Uh, Catherine McKenna had claimed there were 52,000 infrastructure projects funded and ready to go, and the Conservative opposition looked into it and said, okay, well, we've managed to find 33,000. Where's the other 19,000 and change? And so there is looking almost 20,000 infrastructure projects that are either not on the books or just haven't been started or perhaps were never, ever approved in the first place. I'm not surprised because <laughs> this is Catherine McKenna. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I'm not surprised either. And and, and actually, you you make a good point. Given Catherine McKenna, that should actually be almost expected. Yeah, I mean, she's she's been one of the least effective ministers in Trudeau's government, and yet she continues to get high profile postings. And she's she's completely worthless 
as a minister. Oh, she totally is. Yeah. And I mean, I realize she's got no. Okay. I'm going to say it. Go ahead. Haters. C D N C O M S E N S E at gmail.com. Catherine McKenna has her job mainly because she keeps the gender balance. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Because she is not qualified in the least. She has proven herself completely inept and unable to do the job effectively in every posting that she's had. She is terrible. She does not know what she's doing. No, not not in the slightest. That she she is awful. And I think you're very on point to say she is the the, the worst you know, producing minister in that cabinet. And that's saying a lot because Seamus O'Regan. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point. All right. So we'll move on to one more brief thing about our illustrious federal government. And that is they recently did a, what they called a fiscal snapshot because God forbid they'd want to bring out a budget. And in that now, Regular listeners to the show will know I've said several times I, I, that our budget deficit is going to crest $400 billion before we're through all the spending. And this fiscal snapshot brought it out at $343 billion, I believe. And, and counting. What, and counting. And what bothers yeah. me, and this is actually somewhere I've, I've got to give the conservative opposition some credit, is they said the same thing. There is absolutely no plan to get us out of this. And no, no plan at all. Oversight and no oversight. No oversight at all. Like so, and because they've because the NDP helped the Liberals stay out of the House of Commons. And and this is absolutely why we need oversight. This is a perfect example and a perfect reason of why the Canadian government needs to be sitting in the House of Commons through all of this. Absolutely. That, absolutely they should. And of course, Mr. Trudeau wants to avoid that because the last thing he wants is, is accountability. Yeah. And um, there was a point made that I didn't realize was that if the we charity was able, was actually did follow through and not uh, cancel the contract with the government, th- all of that money was, would be out of, reach to the uh, 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 Auditor General of Canada. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. So, Jeez. so you got to wonder what the, what the plan was because uh, that's because if, if the money had been given to a charity to dis, to disperse, the Auditor General is not entitled to look at their books. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So here that's that's just one more thing. I mean, three hundred and forty-three billion dollars. The federal debt before this happened was around eight hundred and eight hundred billion in, in change. So now we are we will be adding because by the end of this year it's gonna be over four hundred billion, well over four hundred billion. We will have added more than 50% of the national debt to the debt. Yep. And, and there is no plan to get out of this. There is 
no oversight to make sure that the money is being spent wisely. And it, I mean, and, and if you think that, that this is the only year that's going to have a debt, you're crazy. Because we're going because I mean the Trudeau government had a hundred billion dollars in uh, of deficits prior to this, and they will continue to have massive deficits after this because of this, of the economic shutdown and businesses going out of business and people going bankrupt and all of this after this year. It is going to be a decade, at least a decade, no matter who is in power. It's going to be at least a decade before we are, uh, before the economy has completely recovered. Yep, I would say that's actually a very, very fair assessment. And unfortunately, I don't have any faith that the government in charge currently is the one to help us out. I mean, I, I think they're just going to make things worse. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they were spending like drunken sailors when the times were good. That's when you're, that's when you're supposed to be paying down your debt or, um, or, uh, or balancing the books. And in, and in, in this case, we are, the, our government ran successive $30 billion deficits. I mean, this is, this is a government that is totally out of control, has no uh, regard for taxpayers, and we have taxpayers who just don't care. Yeah, and actually, speaking of uh, disregard, Bill Morneau was uh, on a, doing an interview with Vashi Capellos over uh, Power and Politics. I believe it was on Friday's show, or maybe it might have been Thursday. And, of course, she asked him point blank, is there a tax increase in the works? And, of course, he kept trying to kick the can down the road. And, of course, Vashi, and I know this is why you have a crush on her, wouldn't let go. And she uh, just kept pressing him and pressing him. And he refused to answer. And all he, the, the, as far as he would commit is to say, well, this isn't the time to talk about tax increases. It's like, um, well, then does that mean that there's one coming later? Like, it's just the way he constantly skirted all of her, her questions just infuriates me. Yeah. And I mean, this, uh, after all this is said and done, we need a government that is going to be fiscally responsible. It, that's going to shrink the federal government because we cannot afford to continue down the road. We're going. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, uh, Speaking of a different kind of government, not that he's going to be prime minister, but who is this new Andrew Scheer? Um, suddenly he's showed up and he's got a backbone and he's applying said backbone. I'll refer to one specific news conference he had in Pearson Airport and whoever the reporter was, she was CBC anyway, and she was trying to give him a hard time because he took off his mask to make a phone call and then kept it off for a few more minutes. And he just looked at her, says, I have nothing to add. And then she pressed him further. And he actually said what most of us were thinking. We have a government that's spending out of control. And all you're concerned about is that I took off my mask for a phone call. And, and then he even said, like, come on, that's ridiculous. And I thought, where was this Andrew Shear in October? Yeah, because if that was the Andrew Shear we'd had all along, 
he might be prime minister. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's just one example. Like he's actually shortly after, I think it was a couple of shows ago. Now we did when we were complaining that he needed to get himself in front of the media. Yeah. Shortly after that, he actually started holding press conferences and he actually had some passion again. And again, I thought like, who is this new Andrew Shear? Uh, he's a, he's a man with nothing to lose. Well, good point. Yeah. And, and he, but the thing is, is that I wish that he had had this, this backbone all along. I mean, he, the way he answered that reporter is exactly the way he should have. And but, oh, yeah. but last year before the election, he would never have done that. No, he was still trying to make friends with everybody. And I think that was a colossal mistake on his part. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Canada, the conservative leader just can't make friends with the media. It's not possible. So stop trying. Well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. All right. So I got one more thing I want to touch on here. Um, we're probably going to have a bit of an abbreviated show tonight. But one subject near and dear to both Lewis's and my hearts is the Canadian Football League. Now, they've recently announced that their the aim is now to try to make a a six or eight game season with two hub cities being Hamilton and Burlington, Ontario, to which I say, great. If that's what it takes, let's go for it. And the CFL has now applied for uh, some government relief, which is probably the 120 million they were hoping for. But you know, with a $343 billion deficit, that little rounding error might not be available. Yeah. Um, Burlington. Yeah, that's my. I thought that too. It's like, is there even a university there? Like, where are they going to play in Burlington? Well, I don't. Why don't they put it in? You know, the two provinces that have had hardly any cases at all, like Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, uh, other than depending on when they want to play Grey Cup, but you're right, Manitoba would be a great place for it. Because they've actually, I think, done the best job. And Saskatchewan, same thing. We're uh, experiencing a little bit of an uptick just this last week. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, we've got very, very low numbers. Yeah, I mean, those would be the two safest places to make hub cities, right? And and then by the time Grey Cup rolls around, they could play the Grey Cup at, like, BC Place Stadium or at Skydome or somewhere where, you know, it could be done indoors because – we're talking that the Grey Cup's going to be in December. Yeah, and that is not going to be a good outdoor game. So, yeah, I think that uh, Vancouver would be a great place for it. Do it at BC Place. It's, uh, I mean, and the weather in Vancouver is never that cold anyway. So, yeah. But now, the now as well with the CFL, we also have the NHL that has been. Um, trying to f- figure out their hub cities and they've settled on Edmonton and Toronto and uh, they, but here's the thing. The seasons are supposed to start at the beginning of August uh, or sorry, not the seasons, the playoffs. Yeah. It's uh, going to be a 24 team playoff format. So a tournament. Uh, 
I don't understand why they're doing that. I don't understand why they just don't go with the top 16 teams. Um, because that's what makes the playoffs anyway, are the top 16 teams. So right. why not just do that? But they're going with top 24 teams and they're playing a, uh, a tournament style playoffs with the Stanley Cup being awarded in October. Yeah, which would be right about the time that a regular season would be starting if life were at normal. Yeah. So the discussion I've had with some of my friends was, why are we even bothering? Well, why if we and if we're and if we are going to bother with it, which they are, then why not start with sixteen teams? And this can be yeah. this can be over by September, and then you could start the next season late like in november uh or even december and just have a an abbreviated season next year and and have the playoffs at the same time they normally would be yeah and see to me that would make a lot more sense and i don't know if it's a revenue issue because if you can't have fans in the in the stands in edmonton and toronto then you're not bringing in any gate revenue so I, I guess unless it's television revenue they're concerned about, I think it's just a losing proposition for teams. Like I, Their budgets are pretty tight as it is, so I don't really see any kind of benefit other than just you know the bullheaded prestige to say, yep, we're playing just because we can. And I don't think that's even worth it. No, I, I don't either. I don't either. Well, especially now, like we've seen because uh, – MLS soccer has started up and they've already had four games that have been postponed and canceled outright because players testing positive for, for COVID-19 and what's to make anybody think that's not going to happen here. Yeah. And, but here's, here's the funny part is that not a single professional athlete has ever shown symptoms and that's because their immune systems are in great shape because they're in great shape. And so none of these, like they had an entire NBA basketball team test positive. Not a single one showed a single symptom. So that's a good point. Yeah. Cause they are, they're all in great shape. You're right. They're all very healthy. Yeah. So the, the, the people who can withstand this the most are professional sports athletes. Yeah, true. So, I don't know. Either play or don't. But enough with this, like, let's award the Stanley Cup in October. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, just nothing but ridiculous. The, the, the NHL can survive not giving out the, the Stanley Cup for one year. The CFL, I don't think, can survive not giving out the Grey Cup. No, and I agree with that. Yeah, it's uh, and honestly, I mean, yes, because I am a fan of the CFL, I want to see at least something happen. But as far as I'm concerned, as a taxpayer, 120 million dollars to be added on to a deficit that's going to be almost half a billion really is a rounding error. So let's just do it. Yeah, I hate to say that, but I agree with you. Yeah. Now, one more thing on the CFL I want to talk about, and I think we probably can can get a wrap after that, is the Edmonton Eskimos. 
now oh, this yeah. first came into the to light um well this year it came into light first in february and now suddenly it's reared its head again is that the the eskimos team name is now considered racist and there's actually was a demand from one of the eskimos team sponsors uh bel-air direct insurance that if they don't change their name they're losing that sponsorship so now of course the team is taking it seriously and looking into a possible name change yeah my answer to them would have been bye-bye bel-air well and and mine too and so back in february i remember doing some research at that point in time and there was the Eskimos had actually paid to do some polling in the north and asked the the Inuk people, you know, their thoughts on on the name Eskimos. And it was fairly split and there was actually some people who said they felt a sense of pride just for, you know, recognition by the the team and others who were offended by it. And the Eskimos at that time had said, well, you know, we don't see enough upset to warrant us changing the the name of our team and yeah so they left it the way it was and then now suddenly it's it's news again yeah and you know there was a, a statement released by jordan tutu the nhl player who like the only inuit nhl player uh he's, he's retired now but um and he released a statement on it and basically said he doesn't find it offensive but that's because he doesn't call himself an Eskimo. Uh, it's his father's generation that referred to themselves as Eskimos. And he said, it's, it's the Inuk people whose feelings on the matter that should matter. They're the only ones that should matter. And, uh, and and I'm and I am in agreement with him. I'm in total agreement with him. If the if the Inuk and the Inuit say that they don't want this team named the the Eskimos anymore, then I say okay, I I'm okay with that. Let's change the name. But if they're saying no, we 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 take some pride in the fact that uh, that. They named their professional sports team after our people. Then I would be like, then their opinion is the only one that matters. Not some, you know, middle-class white suburban soccer mom who is offended by it for them. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's such a ridiculous thing that suddenly white people are telling uh, these racial minorities that they should be offended. Well, and that's exactly what it is. And I, I mentioned this to you probably a week or two ago that there was a, a Twitter feed that I was, or post that I was started commenting on. And I never should do this because as we've said many times, if you want to get yelled at and cursed out for saying good morning, get a Twitter account. And, but I stuck my nose in this one and I just made the point that I made with you earlier that, you know, some Inuk people actually felt a sense of pride in this. And then someone replied to me um, that, well, some do right now, but once they get better educated, they will, they will be insulted by this. And I thought, that's got to be comment of the year, you, you dum-dum. <laughs> well, uh, how about you racist? I mean, 
that is that is about the most racist thing I've heard in this whole conversation is someone saying, "Oh, if when they become more educated, they'll realize that it's that it's offensive." Well, exactly. So yeah, you're saying there are a bunch of numbskulls now that they're uh, yeah the, the unwashed masses of the north. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's that's horrible. That is horrible. Yeah, and I mean I guess because I grew up in the Edmonton area. I've never thought anything of that name because it's just always been the Edmonton Eskimos, but, but no, I, I, with you, actually, I hadn't heard that, you know, the point presented the way you did, but you're right. I mean, it's, it really is up to the Inuk people. And if they decide that, yeah, maybe that name should go, then yeah, let it go. Hold a contest to get a new name and away we go. Yeah. And uh, whatever they choose, it should start with an E. I think so, yeah. So at least that the, the logo stays the same and there's still a connection to the tradition. Yeah. Of the team, that is. Exactly. Yeah. I don't ever want to see that logo change. It's one of the best logos in sports. Yeah, it is. And the Eskimos are one of the most successful franchises in, in CFL history. So, I mean, you'd want to make some kind of continuity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, my friend, I think that's as good a place as any to end the show. I would agree. Um, thank you, Canada, for joining us tonight. And yes, today is a Monday, and we did agree that we would uh, be presenting shows to you on Tuesday. But this is what happens when you've got two working class guys who uh, always have something going on in their schedules. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we had stuff going on tomorrow night, so we decided to bring you the show a, a day early. But next week and going forward, you will hear us on Tuesday nights. Yes. So. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Until next time, it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in beautiful, sunny BC. All right. Good night, Canada. Good night. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.